everyone, Antonio here, but you can call me Bender. I got ants in my butt, and I need to strut. Come on, baby, do that, do. Do that, do it, boom, boom, boom. Come on. Do, do, be my boo. I'm not familiar with the type of thing I'm seeing. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 6, Bender Should Not Be Allowed on Television. So Ben, this this episode of the episode of Futurama that we watch um, is a very meta episode of Futurama where it discusses the idea of television in this televised show. Yes. Yes. Is there any meta that we could do here? Is there podcasts about podcasts that are on podcasts? Oh, I'm, I'm most certain that there are podcasts about podcasts. Well, like a podcast within a podcast that's about the original podcast. Oh, you want to do, you want to do like an inception of podcasts. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we call all my circuits an inception on Futurama, though. But you want you Wait, want to maybe I just want a, a a podcast within a podcast that speaks about the original podcast. So you're talking about a back to back to the Futurama. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I want. Okay, can we make that happen? So I tell you what. Um, okay. No. Oh. Well, <laughs> you know. You know, this is continuing the kind of confrontational improv that we've been doing over the last couple weeks of the, not the yes am, but the no screw you. Look, I was gonna say that we could get some special guests on, but I think... That is, you're right, you might be right about that. We've got some special guests on next week, hopefully, that'll... uh, Here's hoping. That'll blow your mind. Oh man, my mind is going to be blown. (laughs) It is pre-blown already. Excellent. Okay, now that we've accidentally plugged next week's podcast, shall we do this week's podcast? Uh, so Bender should not be on TV. The end. Uh, grades, I <laughs> give it a Q. <laughs> the end. Good job. All Let's right. get to next week's episode. I mean, I know we're excited about next week's episode. but Next like, week's episode is Jurassic Bark. It's going to be so good, you guys. Yes, but again, <laughs> that is that is a week from now. All right, let's do the thing then. Let's do the thing. Uh, this episode, the non-Jurassic Bark episode, uh, starts with an uh, the alternate theme. Uh, it's yes. beatboxed a little bit. Yes, I was going to bring that up if you missed it. But yeah, it, the the main Futurama theme is replaced with one that has sort of a beatboxing. Yeah. And also, there's this great part where Zoidberg is just like, Zoidberg, Zoidberg, <laughs> Zoidberg. That is true. It's very good. He also does like a kind of a scat routine in the middle of it, which is very funny. Zoidberg does not know how to scat, as it turns out. It's fu- it's fine. I I kind of prefer him not knowing how to do that. It's funnier the other way. It would be a very bizarre character twist that Zoidberg is just really good at at scatting. Well, basically, we haven't found a thing that he's really good at yet, so it could have <laughs> been that. Who knows? 
But scatting of all things? I mean, people have weirder talents. What is your weirdest talent? I mean, if you look at a historical way, I know how to type onto a computer and make things happen to it. Like, if you're from 1500, you're looking at me doing this magic with this black box or box with an apple thing on it. And then I'm like, how'd you do all that? What is what is going on? It's not that weird. I know it's not that weird, but I'm trying to cast it that way because I can't think of anything weirder. I have a talent for liking terrible football teams. That's true. So sorry about your Jags. I know. I, 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 I didn't I didn't want to come out on the podcast as a Jaguar fan, but I guess I am now. I already have. What am I talking about? <laughs> I've dunked on you several times. Yeah, but this year they were actually kind of good, and I'm assuming it's a fluke and we'll be terrible again next year, so we're the joke of the league again. Only time will tell. Now that we've opened that wound. Yep, thanks. The, thanks, Ben. The episode starts out with uh the everybody at planet express pouring salt in mike's wound about the jaguars it's weird that they they knew this was going to happen it's and really yet they weird did. yeah they timed it really well with this podcast they too. also got a picture of me in there it's it was very weird. bizarre um but then they start watching all my circuits and previously on all my circuits calculon's son told him he forgot to how how to be his son because he have, has amnesia calculon's wife is cheating on him calculon i thought you were Egyptian. Uh, Calculon. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do that. It's so good. It doesn't make any sense. It's just the context. There's no context. I thought you were just wowed by my amazing Calculon I mean, delivery. That was pretty good, too. But I just love the line is no context whatsoever. Um, then Calculon's wife is holding his son at phaser point and asking, who am I? Because she has amnesia. And then Calculon holds a meeting where he asks if anyone, if there's anyone there that doesn't have amnesia, and they all look at each other like, I don't know. That's an aside, mm-hmm. because I know I've mentioned it before, but like if you're gonna if you're gonna level the characters, the sort of main Planet Express crew, and then secondary, yeah, yeah. Uh, secondary characters, and then like there's this tertiary level. Calculon, I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, team Calculon mm-hmm. on that tertiary level. Um, everybody's Team Scruffy at the secondary level. That's okay, just a fact. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Team Scruffy is a level unto itself, but below that, what what do you got? Uh, is Tinny Tim in that tertiary? Field? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think I like him. Okay. Although clamps. Oh okay. Clamps. Clamps. Clamp. Kabamp. All right. Team Clamps versus Team Calculon. One can act real well. One will give you the clamps. I just had a really bad thought. Well, now you got to say it. March is coming up. We need to do a March <gasps> no, Madness you, of this Futurama. Is, this is not a bad idea. This is a wonderful <laughs> idea. We have to do it. We have to do it. We have to do it. All right. We need to get working on a bracket. Oh, um, I'm already excited. How do you, I'm so excited. How do you just, seed that bracket, though? Oh, man. It's got to be random, right? It's got to be random. Okay. March Ocean Madness is what I'm going to call it. Ooh, that's good. Boom. Ah, oh, uh, yeah. All right. Ben is over here with the great ideas, everybody. So they're watching this episode of All My Circuits, and Dwight and Qbert are there watching them, mm-hmm. uh, watching this episode, and they are just like, man, this is so cool. When I grow up, I'm going to have so much amnesia. I have it now. I-, I mean, I forgot. I forgot I had it now. Basically, the joke is that they just emulate everything on television. I mean, as we all do. I watched The Good Place once, and that's when I became a Jaguars fan. 
that's the only thing I know about the good place. I've been meaning to get get into that, but I know that there's a character that's from Jacksonville and is a Jaguars fan and yells Bortles all the time. And I want to watch it mostly because of that, but also because I've heard it's very good. That's fair. Uh, on this episode of All My Circuits, mm-hmm. Calculon also has a wickedly awesome birthday party with uh, naked musicians <laughs> and giant piles of what Monique's as- assume is talcum powder. I just love how it's seventies themed, nineteen seventies themed. Like the music and everybody's mm-hmm. wearing bell bottoms. It's fantastic. Even Isaac is there in the background as the bartender. It's like the Ready Player One of birthday parties, but set in the seventies. Okay. And there's a lot of drugs there. Apparently, I love that you read Ready Player One and you're like, "Well, I guess I got to make these references all the time now." It's just that book was so obsessed with the 80s is all. And, That's fair. And this is a 70s obsessed party. It tracks, Mike. I mean, I'll take your word for it. So uh, we haven't made it past the first scene and we're <laughs> nine minutes in. We're doing a great job. So, yeah, the the kids are like, oh, man, like we should have a awesome birthday party and Qbert realizes that he doesn't know when his birthday is because he's a clone yeah Qbert uh, then goes to ask professor if he has a birthday which the professor says no they uh, to point out though professor and Hermes seem to be like poking sticks at something within a box and it's very angry it's disturbing but there's no answers or I questions don't, i don't ask about what they do because i don't want to know what they do to be yeah, honest you know that's a fair point um, but basically, uh, the professor says he doesn't technically have a birthday, uh, but they can celebrate the day he was extracted from the cloning tank or the day that he scraped DNA from the growth on his back. Cubert chooses the gr- growth scraping day. Growth scraping day sounds like the worst thing. It's true. I don't need to go into any details on that. No, I think I think the audience gets it. Uh, the prof- but I will go into details <laughs> on that. Uh, the professor did the scraping 13 years ago next week, and he still has the fork he did it with. So it turns out that Dwight's birthday is also next week. And then How wonderful. Hermes gets the... It's not so much an idea as much as he wishes that they could have the party <laughs> at Planet Express together and then also write it off as a business ex- business expense. And then he gets the idea to do that thing he just said. It's very, it's very good that he turned the birthday party into a, a tax write-off. Very, very bureaucratic. It's true. I mean, I, I would hope any bureaucrat would be able to pull that one off. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to hire a bureaucrat for this, this podcast empire that we have. At best, we could afford a bureaucrat grade two forty eight, and I mean, what are they really going to do? We need at least, at least a two thirty nine. Yeah, I see where your point is. Yeah. So they maybe dis- we could get a volunteer or an intern. That's that's closer. Somebody early. Well, in, if they're early in their career, they're probably not up there yet. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So business school. They decide bureaucrat? to do this this birthday party, and nobody shows up to it. And there's a big banner that even says "Happy Growth Scraping Day." <laughs> we are which jumped over a, an entire scene. An entire scene. Oh yeah, it's an important scene. I got <laughs> I got so distracted by, by growth scraping day. <laughs> Look, everybody has their passions, and for you, it's growth scraping. I never said I've never gone on the record saying that that is my passion. I've gone on the record saying that it is yours. 
I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. Anyway, uh, the scene before the one that Ben was just talking about. The growth uh, scraping day one. Yep, sure. We'll get there. Oh, Ben, calm down. We'll get there. We'll be, we'll be there for a while. Um, in the living room, Bender yells out, something's happening on television. Calculon and Monique uh, are bathing in champagne and also drinking it. I wouldn't recommend it. UTIs are not fun. That's fair. Uh, his son parachutes through the skylight. His son has discovered the shocking secret that she that Monique has been keeping from Calculon for 200 years. But before the son can utter the secret, this the robot son malfunctions. Yeah, he just sort of breaks and starts buzzing and yeah. sparks are flying out. And uh, they yeah, they check out the, they check out the uh, uh, Antonio Calculon Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't I didn't pick up any of the names in this episode. Oh yeah, no, his name so it's Antonio. The robot's name is Antonio Calculon Jr. who plays Antonio Calculon Jr. Okay, see that I think that's where I got confused. Because or just missed Well, because entirely. they never they never give him a different name, but in all the news reports, they just referred to him as Antonio that's Calculon fair. Jr. And I missed all of that as well. I didn't do a thorough job this time, Ben. I just want to let, let let you know that right now. I've already skipped over an entire scene that's very important to the plot. So on brand. Um, uh, so yeah, the maintenance crew headed by Sal uh, comes on and determines he's busted. Uh, the TV station then cuts to everyone. Everybody loves Hypnotoad already in progress. One thing that I really enjoy is the captions definitely say eyeballs thrumming loudly. Interesting. Thrumming? Thrumming is the word that it was used. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to Google that. Ben Googles that. It's the Ben Googles Corner. It's got a theme song now. Are you excited by it? If you're not, I can try to fix it next time. Thrum. Verb. Make a continuous, rhythmic humming sound. Example. The boat's huge engines thrummed in his ears. the voice it's the voice that does it um yeah i I think that's a pretty good word i'm gonna have to start using that in my day-to-day i would love to hear you try to do that in your day-to-day the boat's large engines thrummed in his ears or whatever sentence i said before better more sexily (laughs) i mean that was exactly the sentence but you are correct in that the voice changed um, yeah, so Fry thinks that everybody loves Hypnotoad has been going downhill since season three. And then we go to growth scraping day. That we're scene finally, I tried to go we're to finally here. earlier. Yeah, we are finally here. So nobody comes to the party, the growth, uh, growth scraping day party. Well, hold on. Zoidberg is there. He's a lovable tramp. It's true. Nobody cool shows up to this party. I do love that Zoidberg is uh, coming in wearing a comically comically tattered tattered clothes a big like goofy bow tie and a rope as a belt leela's leela thinks he's performing but he's not he needs some some uh spare money for shoes and so just when they think no one's gonna show up the doorbell rings and it's none other than tinny tim he had an invitation dumped in his begging cup presumably by somebody that was actually invited that does leave the question of who put that in Tinny Tim's begging cup? My guess is H.G. Blob's son. 
I can see that. Because it wouldn't have been Albert. Albert's too nice. He would have thrown it in directly into the garbage. Because Albert does show up later. A lot of uh, a lot of orphans show up later. Dwight, Dwight and Cuber are finally cool enough to get some orphans over. So, uh, yeah, the, the party is ruined. Nobody shows up except for Tinny Tim, who wasn't even technically invited. Uh-huh. But Bender runs in holding the television saying something's happening on TV again. And then he plugs the TV into his butt, which is a thing that is awkward to watch. To be fair, it's a funny gag. Oh, it's very funny, but it's a thing that's very awkward to watch. Basically, because it felt like the writers are like, okay, we need to have the TV here. Well, how do we... who, Who powers it? Well, Bender, obviously, he's got everything. I think they just... I think the writers just like uh, things going into Bender's butt. Just a sentence I never thought I would say, but I just did. Yeah, he plugs <laughs> he plugs it into his butt, and then uh, we've talked a lot about plugging it into his butt. Plug it in. Nope. Plug it nope. In. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I can't allow you to do that, Ben. We will probably be sued. I mean, that's why I yelled over it. Yes. So, <laughs> um, uh, basically, what's happening on the television is it's entertainment and Earth invasion tonight with Morbo and Linda. They announced that All My Circuits is hoping hosting an open casting call to recast the role of Calculon's son. Antonio Calculon Jr. Thank you, Ben. Bender uh, asks Tinny Tim, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And Bender then says, I'm perfect for this role. Tinny Tim. So, again, <laughs> this episode has a couple of great lines that I always use all the time. It's Tinny Ben's Tim's great is. lines that I use all the time corner. That's my own. I've, Ooh. I do it all the Ooh. time. But you've created your own corner over there. Well, I mean, they're my corners. I should be allowed <laughs> to do what I want. That's fair. So uh, this one, this one is absolutely one of them where Tinny Tim is just like, you've raised my hopes and dashed them quite expertly, sir. <laughs> I love it, too. It's so it's so perfect. That is one that I definitely use. And it's. Uh, people don't know how to react to that one. <laughs> I don't blame them, <laughs> but it's so wonderful to utter when you have the opportunity to do so. So yeah, Bender's entire plot now is that he, an adult robot, is going to try to get the role of Calculon's son by pretending to be a child actor somehow. Robot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so they go to the soundstage where many famous child robots are getting ready for the audition, like Macaulay Culkin. A timely reference even then well they do make fun of it because they don't think he's as cute as when they got puberty installed it's true but i mean it's just it's one of those it's one of those futurama beats where it's just like they're making the reference a little too late but also i mean home alone was still very much in our collective consciousness and i think it's 2003 still like i would say it still is. i think it's never gonna die I think it's immortal. Okay, we've unleashed the <laughs> immortal Home Alone. Yes. A movie that will never die. Never die. What if... What if... Uh, well... What if you throw the movie... Okay. ...into the fires of the volcano from which it was forged? Okay, hold on. So I have to, like, get the original film or all the copies? Like, what's what? What do I have to do here? Let's start out with a copy. Just okay, any so copy. So if I just get a VHS of, mm-hmm. 
Home Alone, mm-hmm. and I go take it to basically Mordor is what we're talking about. And I finally get it in there, and then uh, a Gollum doesn't take it from me, and I throw it into the, the fire. It should destroy all copies of Home Alone? Do we want that? It doesn't... Now, hold on. It does okay. not It does not necessarily destroy all copies. It just makes all copies cease being immortal. It is now possible to kill other copies of Home Alone. But again, do we want that? I don't know. Do we? Do we want Home Alone to be the one thing that survives when we are all dead? Tweet it. Back to Futurama. <laughs> 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 that's gonna be that's gonna be the thing on my tombstone. Is do we really want Home Alone to be the one thing that survives when we are all dead? Here lies Ben. <laughs> Here lies Ben. I need to go back in time and make that my senior quote in my high school yearbook. Um, that's just gonna that's gonna be my legacy. And I wasn't really into it at first, but I'm I'm growing more and more into this idea the more I think about it. Okay, it's not great as a catchphrase because it's a little long. It's true, but as a quote that exists for all time on my tombstone it's a pretty good one uh i think it's pretty good although that also means you can build you can build some straight up fortresses out of copies of home alone because they are immortal and cannot be killed don't give away my secret how did we get on this dumb topic uh macaulay culcon right. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so macaulay Cal- Cal- macaulay culcon <laughs> Is there? Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's all that there was about that <laughs> reference, really. Um, basically, uh, when when <laughs> uh, when all these uh, child robots come into the into the the office to audition, basically Bender's right outside, going, "Boo! They suck. We want Bender." And Calculon takes it as the audience has turned on them and dismisses every single one. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's it's very good. And it plays to Calculon needing that audience and Calculon needs constant approval. Yeah. At all times. It's true. So Calculon's like, I gotta get this bender everybody's talking about. I've heard he's great. And it's like, well, there's a bender, but he's too mold. I don't care. Bring him in. <laughs> they bring Bender in, and the scene is his son saying that he's going to go off and join some banditos. Mm-hmm. And Bender is like, oh, uh, uh, Mexican, eh? Well, I happen to have a flawless Spanish accent. And then he reads, he oh. doesn't even read the words correctly, let alone with an accent. Uh, <laughs> he says things like, gee, whack-a-mole on the El Rio. Yeah, it's pretty amazing and terrible. Fry and Leela are outside, and they're like, yeah, Bender, woo, we want Bender. It, it changes Calculon for, you'll never work on my show, but you got the job. <laughs> uh, later, we're at the same soundstage for a taping of All My Circuits. Bender's part has absolutely been rewritten to just be him in a coma, it, an irreversible coma it's it's funny because bender immediately starts giving concepts like i think i think it'd be better for my character's motivation if he was on fire that's a terrible well okay as a motivation that'll get you motivated yes it sure will as a story device not so much it's true 
Uh, but then again, he is now in a coma. <laughs> His character is now in a coma. Um, Bender kind of grumbles about it, but still gets in the hospital bed and kind of deals with it. Uh, Calculon reveals it's permanent. Uh, and Bender's like, permanent? I, I'm going to get up anyway. Now he gets up and he's like, first of all, he says, Antonio here, but you can call me Bender. So right <laughs> off the bat, he's not even the character that he auditioned for anymore. He just throws it away. As he, if- he announces, and I quote, I got ants in my butt and I needs to strut. And then he starts <laughs> dancing around, simultaneously drinking a beer and smoking a cigar. And Calculon, this is this is my maybe my all-time most quoted Futurama line ever. <laughs> Calculon looks up and he says, I'm unfamiliar with the type of thing I'm seeing. <laughs> Pro tip, go to the Morbotron. Generate a GIF of Calculon saying, I'm unfamiliar with the type of thing I'm seeing. Save it to your phone. Send it to everybody all the time whenever they send you something that looks weird, confusing, different. Anything at all, really. Anything at all. Pro tip. Everybody in our Facebook chat group, our friend group's uh, uh, chat, sees this GIF a lot thanks to me. (laughs) They all love it as long as you ask me because I think they're probably sick of it by now, but... I think it's great, and they should think it's great, too. Pro tip, do this. You will make all the friends. Go. I I will suggest that at some points in that uh, uh, speech, Ben may have been an unreliable narrator based on how much the rest of the people in the group love it. I do. love it. I do, but I don't know. I can't. can't, I'm not omniscient. I can't see into their brains. In the days before the Morbotron gave me an easy access to that GIF, there is, I'd find the clip on YouTube and I would respond to other people's Facebook posts with a short clip of Calculon saying, I'm unfamiliar with the type of thing I'm seeing. There is no, no statement in all of Futurama that I quote more, that I reference more, that I love more than this one line. It's a pretty good line. It's a very good line. This is my love letter to Calculon's delivery of that line. Sincerely, Ben. Do you have a postscript or are we just going to put this in an envelope and send it off? I think I already said everything I need to say. Perfect. Uh, basically, uh, Bender continues to dance and basically uses his uh, bite my shiny metal ass catchphrase. Uh, the director stops the take and says, what are you doing? We're going to have to take another take. And Calculon immediately says... I don't do second takes. Amateurs like you do second takes. I do one take. In the editing room later on, they're trying to figure out how to make this one take that Calculon uh, refused to redo into something workable. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, the network execubots come in. The execubots are, there's the network president, which is just a laptop. Mm -hmm. And then there's uh, execubot, Alpha, programmed to like things he's seen before. Execubot Beta, programmed to roll dice to determine the fall schedule, which I really like that joke just mm-hmm. because it's Futurama telling this joke. Yeah. Futurama got jerked around so much on it that sh- schedule. It sure did. I mean, it's a Fox thing to do anyways. I yeah. mean, like, same thing happened to Firefly and, mm-hmm. you know, so on and so Basically, forth. Basically, if you're not Simpsons or post-cancellation family guy you don't know when you're going to be airing it's true uh and then execubot gamma programmed to underestimate middle america the president asks who put quote this obnoxious dancing robot on his network 
the director says we're about to fire him. The president points out that uh, they've been monitoring their Nielsen families and that viewer eyeball focus was up 90% when Bender was on screen. Yeah, and uh, the president also points out that sh- uh, bite my shiny metal ass could be a catchphrase. It's It, it, it could be. It's kind of a... Me- it goes back to that thing you're talking about. It's a meta thing because it's already a catchphrase for Bender. True. It caught on, unlike I'm already in my pajamas. That's, that is also true. And so, so the, uh, the network president asks, can you continue to drink, smoke, and steal things on TV? Yes, I can, as he's taking Kekulon's ben- uh, wallet. Then we get a montage to the song TV Party by Black Flag. Uh, yes, and it's basically Bender doing a whole lot of stuff. Uh, uh, Bender, uh, basically every time Bender does something, the the uh, Dwight, Kubert, and Tinny Tim redo it. So Bender surprises the human character by dressing up as his bride at his wedding and looks at a playbot on at the altar. Bender starts having branded cigars like Bender Smokes, Benderillos, and Bender's Favorite. Uh, Bender gets a, a starting starring credit, knocks over a table that Calculon and his wife are eating at, and fires a laser gun into the ceiling of the restaurant. Bender <laughs> Bender gets on the cover of TV Week <laughs> Monthly with a, basically uh, the head of Jay Leno in his compartment gagged with a, some duct tape over his mouth. Now, because it specifically points out that Bender has a feud with Jay Leno, do you think Futurama foretold ahead of time team leno versus team coco i do not think so i 100 percent think so i think futurama's omniscient continue fair enough uh and then my favorite like visual humor of this episode uh bender spits his cigar into the human character's face which bounces off and he catches it again in his mouth that's a pretty sweet cigar move <laughs> if you can pull it off if you can't there's a lot of burning so at the end of this montage, Dwight steals a cigar, and then uh, he takes a big puff and then just immediately vomits. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of his it's dad's kinda, cigars. It's kind of gross because like he vomits off screen, but just far enough still in screen where you can see like the vomit yeah. coming out of his mouth. It's a weird choice. I feel like they were... It's a weird choice to get like 12% of a vomit stream on camera. It is. I think that's probably all they could get. Like they were working with standards of practice. Like, let's no, get another one. No, because Bender vomits profusely when he turns into a human. Oh no! I guess you're right. He vomits on command like three times. Maybe standards of practice is like we've shown too much vomiting already. <laughs> you only get twelve percent of this one. Okay, maybe you've you've already used your quota for the year. We can't have any more. You burned through all of your vomit quota on that one episode. I mean, you were supposed to be you know responsible with that quota it's important to be responsible with it we we even have an ass quota here you're you're getting dangerously close but you're at least portioning that out per episode i'm terrified to look up ask quota on yeah, google I, i'm not going I, to no. do that it's at this point that the professor and hermes come in and uh the professor's like seems they've stolen one of your cigars and hermes is like that's not a cigar and it's not mine. Cubert <laughs> tells the professor to bite his shiny metal ass, <laughs> which he points out such a uh, such a thing would be uncomfortable for the both of us. It's fair, which is admittedly like the best way to Respond come back to from. That, yeah. yeah, like no, that's not going to be fun for anybody. It really is not. 
Uh, Professor and Hermes ask where they heard this stuff, and the kids respond, Bender. Hermes says he's really this Bender is really starting to twist my dreads. Yeah, like at that moment, they look at the TV, and Bender's on TV, and he's sitting on like a keg and literally lights himself on fire while saying, try this, kids at home. The caption says, don't try this, kids at home. So, yeah, uh, at that point, um, I think I skipped a bit because I think think it's not, yeah. Yeah, it's not a big deal. That yeah, because that actually happens a little bit later. Because then uh, Hermes and the professor come back in, and yeah, it's it's a cut to a new scene. So right. Anyway, uh, so that's just a clip for entertainment and Earth Invasion tonight. And Linda asks the question: If if Bender is a bad role model, uh, Bender's like that's crazy as he's sitting on the couch in Planet Express, spinning open scissors on his fingers, while Zoidberg is terrified. I mean, I don't know why. Zoidberg already has scissors on his hands all he, the time. He has a shell. He'll be fine. Uh-huh. It's the fleshy ones that have the problem here. Uh, oh. So, yeah, then the, the professor and Hermes come back in, and they announce that they've started a Bender protest group called Fathers Against Rude Television. Bender doing stuff for cheap laughs is not what F-A-R-T is all about. Meanwhile, the kids are trying to figure out how to... Uh, be cool essentially i mean nobody came to their growth scraping day party yeah which is just the worst like when you throw a growth scraping day party you want it to be popping off agreed and mine was so oh i remember that it was scraping day god who could forget that day i mean i only remember about 50 percent of it because you know that's fair i was pretty into it already so all i remember was the the clown telling me to do the keg stand and then we were done Anyway, so, uh, so Tinny, the- Tinny Tim announces gentle jerkwads, which I love that. Yeah, but he, I love he's so wonderful in this episode. It's true. Like normally, I wouldn't be necessarily on board with hashtag Team Tinny Tim. It's that's a mouthful. First of all, it's so alliterative. But he kind of nails it in this episode. Gentle jerkwads is also a, a hard thing. Phenomenal. To say. Yeah. So yeah, they're trying to be cool like Bender, but nothing's working because drinking and smoking just make them barf. And so he says that he knows a way to emulate Bender without barfing. They could commit a burglary. So they're like, well, who who's even cool enough that we could steal from? And Kubert's like, I know somebody that runs on cool, c- pure cool fuel, Bender. And then they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're literally like, TV gave us the idea. And then right before where the commercial break would go, it cuts to the Futurama logo. And then you hear uh, Bender's voiceover go, you're watching Futurama, a show that does not condone the cool crime of robbery. <laughs> it's I just I, I love how how this episode is so meta in this very, very wonderful way. It's it's pretty meta for sure, and I I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, so at the robot arms apartments, the kids are putting on Bender masks and go into Bender's apartment. It's literally just like cardboard cut out and sort of and a rough Bender face shape mm-hmm. with a Bender face painted on it. It is not anything remotely good. And yet, uh, Fry is there, and he is not paying attention to pretty much anything. He's reading a magazine, playing a video game, and drinking a beer all at once. Um, hashtag living the life i mean fair he was he's he looked like he was doing pretty good on that video game too Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, they basically steal a whole lot of Bender's loot, including a safe that's labeled Bender's loot. I would like to point out that when I was looking up the uh, this episode on the Infosphere, mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure who did the TV party song, mm-hmm. it points out that in this episode, Bender's banjo makes its fourth appearance <laughs> in in as many words, which I I appreciate that wording. Not like the fourth time you see Bender's banjo. It's like Bender's banjo makes its fourth appearance. <laughs> it, it feels like one of those award shows. It's like Futurama is, is, has won twice for this and has been nominated five times. Bender's Banjo has been nominated for six Academy Awards. Exactly. Also, I love the fact that somebody's out there like, now the banjo is in this episode. I got to put it on the infosphere. I love the fact, I love people that do that. Like, it's so great. As somebody that does make silly content about a thing, other people doing the real, the real work here of finding out how many times the banjo shows up is just amazing. I'm just double checking to see if bendersbanjo.com is available. Ooh. Uh, it is 100% available. That's surprising. I'm not about to spend money to register to that domain name, but if you're interested in registering bendersbanjo.com, it's available. It's available, apparently. I don't know why you would do it. I mean, why not? So they go back to Planet Express and they have a really cool party. They invite. All of the local orphans from the local orphanarium. It's true. And, uh, and they, H.G. Blob's son is there. They uh, play, Brett Blob, that's his name. Brett Blob. Uh, they play Bust a Move by Young MC. Um, and they peruse the loot. Also, Zoidberg is there networking. Um, of course. Yeah, and so they're just like smashing some of his stuff, um, including Bender's banjo. Looking at playbots. Looking at playbots. And... Then uh, the professor and Hermes come in and are like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. You don't have any friends. <laughs> the professor pulls out his coolometer to determine who's cool, and Zoidberg gets a knot, just super knot. Uh-huh. But Qbert, Tinny Tim, and Dwight get 40 mega Fonzies. Oh, yeah. And a giant thumbs up comes out of the coolometer. I love that. I want that forever. Hermes asks where the stuff came from. Tinny Tim is like, we're in this together. And Dwight's like, we stole it. And then, yeah, at that point, Bender shows up because he's been apparently sleeping in the safe. Called Bender's loot. I mean... He keeps loot inside of himself, so I guess it makes sense. If you can't consider yourself loot, can you really consider anything else loot? You said I was going to have my mind blown for next week. I'm already mind blown. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, Bender, Bender comes out of the safe and he is super just nonchalant about like, oh, yeah, whatever. The kid stole, stole some stuff. It's fine. Until he realizes that the kids stole his stuff. At which point he gets outraged and is like, I should not be allowed on television. And he joins FART. He gives this impassioned speech about how kids shouldn't see all the stuff that he does. And also, I would like to point out that for some reason, the Donbot is in this uh, group. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I've never noticed it until well, this episode. I mean, he is a father, isn't he? He's a Don. But didn't he have his daughter's wedding? Oh, yeah, it's true. All all Don bosses have to have a daughter's wedding. Exactly. Okay, so that makes they're, sense. They're fathers as well. 
Okay. Just because they're the Don doesn't mean that they can't be a father and I be just concerned think it's a about weird, television. I think it's just weird that like the Don bot would be concerned about what his children see on television. I but... mean, we should really all be, if you think about it. That's fair. Um, so Bender says that Bender must be stopped and that they're going to go to Hollywood to get them to stop forcing Bender down their throats. And then they form a mob yelling, down with Bender, down, down with Bender, Bender. Down, down with Bender. That's a good chant. That's pretty good. Yeah. They go to the set of All My Circuits that is currently filming mm-hmm. and uh, Bender is like, all right, just shut it all down. We're here to... to and we demand that every TV have a B chip installed that prevents people from seeing me, Bender. <laughs> I love B chip. It's so good. And then the the network execubots are there, and they're like, "No," because basically they they say no because uh, you're making us so much money, you're getting us yeah. so many viewers. Uh, you're gonna be doing this until the end of time, until all that's left is Home Alone DVDs. It's true. And VHS and laser discs. I oh, bet there's some home loan laser oh, you, discs. You out know there. that there are laser discs out there. Anyway, Bender tries to quit, but the president has a gun put into his CD tray and connected to the computer pointed at Bender, and compels him to finish the shot. But at that point, the professor pulls out his own gun and is like, "No, don't do it." Because he's like, "Shoot you!" Because he's like, "Now I can resort to violence." I saw it on television when Bender shot Calculon. Wasn't, Wasn't that, that so cool? cool? <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so Bender is, uh, he, he's dancing and smoking and all of that stuff. And then, uh, the professor pulls the gun on him and then Bender manages to get both guns and backs off and gives this, this speech. That's like, um, yeah, I mean, what I really blame is the parents Does smoking and drinking on TV make me cool. Yeah, of course it does. Does stealing things make me cool? Again, yes. Again, the answer is yes. And he's like, but have any of you parents ever tried turning off the TV, sitting down with your kids, and hitting them? Aye, aye, aye. I would like to remind people that I do not condone (laughs) the actions of Bender, even if I'm Team Bender. Yes. I I wasn't going to say it. I do. But I I would also say that Back to the Futurama does not... Back to the Futurama does not condone hitting children. Agreed. I think we can all be on that same page. Look, we've had a lot of fun here today. Some would say too much fun. Some would say, what the hell is this? Why am I listening to this god-awful podcast? Some would say, why did you make me listen to this? This is awful. I've lost the plot on this one. Don't hit kids. So, Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, um, don't do that. And then uh, Calculon is just like, Eh, it's good enough. Splice in some reaction shots of me and shove it on the air. And then so it cuts to that same speech on TV. And then Bender finishes the speech and it cuts to this shot of Calculon like on a beach <laughs> and holding a drink and he just sits up and his eyes go wide and huh? it's pretty gr- I love it's, Calculon. Calculon's great. Team Calculon. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so Hermes said that they learned a valuable lesson. And when Dwight asks, what was that? The professor says, um, the lesson that we learned is that we should take television a little less seriously and turn it off once in a while. Yeah, let's just keep watching. And then the episode ends uh, as the cast sings TV party over the credits. And there's some slightly altered lyrics about the various shows that they like to watch. 
like everybody loves Hypnotoad. And all my circuits. And Futurama. Whoa, what? Speaking of meta. Yeah, well, that means that it is time for... Grades. This one is an interesting one to try to judge. Mm-hmm. Because I don't find the plot of Bender getting on all my circuits to be particularly interesting. But you've got Calculon. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty Bender heavy episode, and we all know I'm Team Bender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoidberg has actually like so it's one of those ones where Zoidberg's not there, but he's perfect in every scene he's in. Agreed. Honestly, like there's a lot to love about the episode. I just don't care what's going on in the episode. Mm-hmm. But pretty much everything else, I'm on board with it. Oh, it's got like I said, I'm unfamiliar with the type of thing i'm seeing yeah. is 100 my favorite futurama reference ever with all that said i think it, it almost pains me a little bit to give it as low of a grade as i'm going to Ooh. give it but i'm gonna give it a b okay um just because all of the individual jokes are really good but they're not necessarily cohesive um it's just kind of a lot of jokes all at once but sure. i love all the jokes so yeah, i'm just gonna give it a b okay um, I, I think you've hit the ne- the head pretty on the nail here. Um, I think I, uh, I think that I appreciate a little bit how it is a trying to do, uh, what it is trying to do is trying to be a little bit more meta on the discussion of television and good role models and even the f- bender itself on Futurama being a not very good role model. I just don't think it's as successful in that that kind of joke pattern i i think it, it it does attempt to and throughout the the episode does do that i just don't think it's very uh again i don't think it's cohesive in that uh but you're right all the jokes are good zoidberg is deployed expertly in this episode um i i i even you know you don't usually like dwight and cubert i'm not a huge fan of yeah them, me neither but i think they do a pretty good job in this episode as well um so i'm i'm having a hard time really narrowing it down because again it is that kind of the jokes are perfect calculon tinny tim all those things but the episode itself does it doesn't it's good it it's not bad it's not a bad episode of futurama we're all again every week we're nitpicking at this point right um but i think you're right i think it is a b episode uh it's not not that i wouldn't watch it again because again the there's so many good jokes but it's not what i'm gonna go clamor for Okay. Well, we want to know what you think about this episode. Absolutely. Uh, what you think about anything about Futurama. What your opinion is on the immortal home home alone. Yeah. What What would you build out of your immortal stack of Home Alone DVDs, VHS, and laser discs? Would you build a giant animatronic Kevin? I don't think the world's ready for that. I don't. I am. I've I've stared into hell and hell has stared back at me and it is an animatronic Kevin made out of immortal Home Alone VHS tapes. I just I almost said remember me. <laughs> um, I was like, what's the thing he says? It's remember me from the Futurama one, right? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just you know what? If you're still listening at this point. <laughs> Just send us a line. We we love hearing from you guys because it means that we know that somehow you've made it through yet another grueling episode <laughs> of this podcast. In fact, we should be congratulating them. They they're the true heroes here. Y- yes, you you are truly 
the heroes in this podcast. And we want to hear from you. You audience are saints. Feel free to email us at backtothefuturamapodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at us at backtofuturama. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash backtofuturama. Uh, We are on Apple Podcasts, so find us, review us, rate us, subscribe to us, and all those other things you can do on Apple Podcasts, and send to your friends. And we can all talk about what we'd create out of our immortal Home Alone copies together. And, uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to add, but uh, stay tuned for next week. Like I said, like I've been building up to. Oh, man. We... We've got Jurassic Bark coming up next, so... And it's going to be an extravaganza. So strap in for that one. And until Jurassic Bark, I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye Goodbye from from the world of tomorrow. tomorrow.